Podcasts. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D. As always, host number three, Corey. Hello, everyone. Hey there. Had a crazy week. It has been an interesting day, at the very least. Uh, Yeah. Time of recording, it's Tuesday, like 8.30 p.m. Eastern or so. And today they did the... uh, it's like a oversight, SEC oversight, regulations oversight meeting. Yes, yeah, the, the CFTC and SEC were there in tandem, like Goku and fucking Vegeta. Talking about what the government's oversight should be on virtual currencies. And yep. uh, first impressions, not bad. I'm pretty I'm Ball pretty guy's pleased. a holder. People Ball are saying that, that Giancarlo guy needs to run for president. That's how good he is. Yo, the people that we listen to in our circles are saying that. Let's not be, let's not be too hasty with saying he should run for president. I don't, I don't think anybody else besides a Bitcoiner well, is saying that that guy should run for president. Based on the current standards, I'd, I'd say he'd be a fantastic president. <laughs> oh yeah, tell don't you got that right? Uh, You're absolutely right. There. Yeah, but like like in terms of like the content of today, it was the the senators and the. the this the committee who was asking the questions to the SEC chairman and the was it CFTC chairman? But were, were like were, CFTC chair and SEC uh, chairman. Yeah, well, they asked really good questions. Unlike and the questions were more focused on not what is cryptocurrency or like what are you talking about. It was what do we do to make sure that we don't screw things up here, but also you know do the appropriate things that we're supposed to be doing as a government. And the answers were, we can't hire anybody because there's a hiring freeze. Step one, two, don't harm anything. So like basically the, the, the overall sentiment was do no harm because they seem to understand the implications of this technology and they and make a lot of the analogies to the early internet. And they're like, why we, we need to basically create an environment somehow through all of our different entities that do regulation that doesn't stifle the potential innovation, but keeps people like secure from the shysters that take advantage of this early information. Cause they're acutely aware of the types of things, the types of nefarious things that are going on in terms of like scams, coins, ICOs and things like that. One of the, more interesting things that the SEC chairman said was out of all of the ICOs I've looked at, 
all of them, in my opinion, are securities. But yeah, in the in the document that he puts out, he also says he has a quote that I think I put on our Slack and tweeted was um, cryptocurrency exchanges like you know, me giving you cryptocurrency should be treated the same as me handing you cash. So what does that mean for tax implication? Like if that, that's how he if that's how the SEC feels about it, then that's a pretty heavy way of what the SEC thinks or like you know, like what entities in the government think about how this stuff should be taxed. Because you don't tax like me handing you cash, or do you? I don't I don't I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a tax. Yeah, you do. If you run a store, if I'm running a store and you're like, hey man, I'll have uh, one of that. 15 pack of pogs please and i say okay you want a slammer with that and you say no thanks i got all the slammers i need i just need the 15 pogs i say give me a buck 50 you're like that's a lot for paper and i say non-negotiable you give me a buck 50 and then i have to mark down that i got a buck 50 from you yeah but what is it taxed as it's not that's not taxed as a commodity capital gains tax no, it's like revenue. So like revenue that came that's like ahead, cash. You guys might be getting ahead of yourselves. I think the area which we're likely going to see the most regulation is just ICOs. And for sure. I, yeah, I don't think it's more like, you know, you and me treating it like cash. You know, most of the people in the know around blockchain within the government are going to be scared to take like overly restrictive action and screw up could be like a major pillar in the world economy. So I think they're just they're just going to focus on ICOs and uh you know I'm not saying the US government is going to do all of the right things for crypto, but they are probably not organized enough to really do the wrong things at the moment. This isn't what? China or some authoritarian regime that actively fears crypto, you know. I think you nailed mm-hmm. it on the head there in terms of uh they're not organized enough. The, the one of the questions was do any of you have the right jurisdiction or the, the, the sufficient jurisdiction to handle cryptocurrencies or virtual currencies? And if not, do all of you combined have the right jurisdiction to handle cryptocurrencies? And if not, what should we, should we change that? Should we expand your jurisdiction so that you have sufficient control over handling these things appropriately? And the answer was, no, we do not have the right jurisdiction. Um, maybe all of us do. There probably should be some type of expansion or new committee that is specifically designed to handle this technology, which means we need to get together as a whole from like all regulatory wa- uh, um, agencies and state-level regulatory agencies and figure out what that is and then advise you on what to build from there which in my mind means that that's not going to happen anytime soon in America because co-op- that level of cooperation is is pretty rare on such a already complicated issue. And that being exacerbated by them not having enough manpower to properly deal with these things and a hiring freeze, which doesn't even allow them to increase the manpower. Like, we're not going to see... Like drastic yeah, we're not American change anytime. Like yeah. I don't think anytime like in the immediate future. Do you think like 
what I heard is that, yeah, we're looking at it. No, we're not going to staunch it. So from my perspective as someone who's an enthusiast slash working in this space now, that gives me the precedent to say I could build what I want as long as I'm not a goon and trying to rob anybody of their money. I could build what I want and do what I want here in the States. That's what I heard. They, they, want, they want that. They, it seems as though they're the kind of the eggshell walking or tiptoeing or conversation is in the direction of this needs to be here in America. Let's not screw it up. And That's what we always do. Yeah, so but I changed it, my cover it, photo but, back to that awesome. What if people. we just had this meeting and the SEC, like our regulatory agencies, the chairman of our regulatory agencies, was just wholly ignorant, and that wasn't the case. That's a that's a huge breath of fresh air, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, the SEC guy, uh, what's his name? Garofalo. Jay. Hold up, I put it in our Slack. I'm looking it up. Keep going. Mr. Garofalo was very insightful to the point that leads me to believe that he owns a lot of crypto. Because he was... Carlo? Uh, yes, it's not Garofalo. That's not SEC either. That's CFTC. CFTC, CFTC yeah. guy. The bald guy. Yeah, that's Gian, Giancarlo. Garo- and, Are you uh, saying Garofalo? Giancarlo. No, I'm not. Giancarlo. Jay Clayton is um, the SEC. The SEC guy. Okay. Well, Mr. Uh, Giancarlo was speaking in such a way that led, led me to believe he owns a lot of crypto. Mr. Clayton himself maybe owns crypto, maybe doesn't, probably doesn't. But he's still pe- speaking like he's he's very open-minded. Yep. So one of the senators, go ahead, ahead, I'll let you finish. I was was just going to say one of the senators really impressed me. He was a slender man and he said something along the line. This reminds me of uh, when cell phones were taken off and people, we didn't know how to regulate that either, but we figured it out and now check it out. iPhones. He didn't say that at all. That was a very (laughs) bastardized paraphrase of everything that he did say. But I'm not a I'm not a human stenographer. I don't I don't remember what he said verbatim. But that was the sentiment: is that hey, we just got to figure it out, man. Yeah, but there's a time there, right? Like, what's the time of them figuring things out? And that's in and compared to the pace in which this space moves. Well, I mean, if we're just focusing on today, I think the reason why people like what he demonstrated today is that it takes guts to take like a nonpartisan unselfish stance on something and if you kind of compare that to the baby boomer generation that's by and large that generation's hated for good reason because they voted in cronies for decades who helped them rake the system in their favor with no regard for the effects that would have on subsequent generations and we are all feeling the effects so many of the words spoken by that Giancarlo guy today kind of demonstrated that he's unwilling to follow and like those yeah. same selfish boomer footsteps, he understands that he and all of us really owe it to sub- subsequent generations to try and leave this place better than when we found it. And whether or not we succeed, you know, you guys are talking like down the road that remains to be seen. But I think 
with more people like that Giancarlo guy involved, I think it's the space is going to be better. Yeah, and that's why I, th- I think he's being regarded pretty highly today. I he said so. one of my favorite things, and he's like, "We owe it to this generation that's really excited about something that can change the world to let them be excited about that and give them the opportunity." And they do, because they screwed us on lots of lots of things that our parents got really easily. <laughs> so, at least give us crypto, damn it. Well, it's, it's that, it goes it back to that whole thing. Like he talks, I, the Giancarlo opened up with a statement about his kids and how excited they are about cryptocurrencies. And that they own them and they do them. And he, they ask his advice on certain things. And he's like, it's, it's important that they stay excited about money and investments and participating in this type of market because like, there's nothing else like that that people get excited for as, as from, from, from a younger generation. So if we cultivate and don't screw up the regulation around around this we can maintain this excitement about money which will inherent inherently like create a generation that's good with money which is good for america yep it's good and it's great for america it's someone from the old industry understanding the the new opportunities of the new industry correctly too or maybe he's just trying to go to the moon as well of course, uh, uh, that's part of being a part of the system, whether you like it or not, Corey. <laughs> whether it's a big part of you or not, I like what Chilla's saying, and a... I hope what Chilla's saying is right. But I, there's there's a percentage of me that's like, or and him that's just like, you know, I I hope this stuff blows up because I I know about it now, and it's so young that the fact that I know about it now means I probably have some of it now. And the way this stuff blows up means I'm probably going to benefit from it later on down the line. Yeah. That that's on everybody's mind. There's no way of getting away from that. But everyone's incentives are layered. You know, yours are you're you're incentivized heavily by being a part of building out what this stuff looks like, right? Yeah. Other people on the other end of that spectrum are incentivized by going to the moon so I can get a Lambo. <laughs> And their their layer of incentives of participating in the system doesn't matter. They're still incentivized to participate in the system. Yeah, it's it's, it's mind blowing that the head of the SEC knew so little about crypto. He, he doesn't know. No, now. he knew a, those those dudes knew a lot. It I'd was say, the senators. I'd say they knew quite anything. a bit. The senators that were asking the questions didn't know anything, especially that really old guy who kind of looked like that guy from Star Wars. Episode one that uh, was oh, Anakin's Pal- slave master. No, not Palpatine, but like Anakin's slave master, the blue guy that flew around. He's like, your money is no good, yeah. Like your Jedi <laughs> tricks are no good, yeah, Jedi. That Baby guy. Anakin with the yeah. pod racers. Oh, uh, but that guy asked some crucial questions. He was like, well, he asked about the value, he... right? He asked about like underlying value. It's like I don't know where this value comes from, and. The guy's kind of tripped up on that one because it's not the easiest thing to explain in one minute, like where cryptocurrency value gets it gets its value from, because some of them don't have any value right now in terms of like underlying utility. It's all speculation. Some of the ICOs. There needs to be a third. There needs. There, I, I believe in the power of three. There needs to be a third dimension we look at valuation at outside of speculation and utility 
I don't know what that is. Is that why this podcast works? Is this the power of three? There's three of us. That is why it works. We're the Centurions, bro. (laughs) No, about it. Obviously, didn't watch that that little cartoon clip that I posted in the general chat. But we're the Centurions of Bitcoin and blockchain and cryptocurrency. And by default, because we picked the other two, you're the guy that does land defense. Or no water. Yeah, so you, did you do? No, no, no. I picked guy? water defense. I definitely uh, picked air defense to go to go against the grain of all stereotypes. And Steve McCloud. Word picked the air defense, so that puts you, Cello, as a ground defense specialist. All right. Everyone should Google <laughs> Centurion so you know right. what we're talking about right che- now. So uh, <laughs> including you, Cello. <laughs> yeah. Is that like a Starcraft thing? No, oh dude. That's an old cartoon. Like Saturday morning cartoon. That's disrespect. I'm pretty up on my old cartoons. Clearly not. not. Obviously not the best ones. I don't know, man. I've been all playing right. Shadow of the Colossus all day today, by the way. You should get that game. All right, we should go to our interview. Okay. Um, you do your thing, Cello. Um, you tell us who this person is. Yeah, we're interviewing... Uh, Poly, well, we're not interviewing Polymath, but we're interviewing Trevor, who leads Polymath. And uh, he was an early investor in Ethereum, a seed investor in Shapeshift, so he understands the market. And uh, he's pushing forward cryptocurrency adoption. These guys are everywhere. Yeah, I don't really know what else to say. They're just everywhere. So. <laughs> They're everywhere. Polymath Network is on top of everything. It's gonna be yeah, so like I mean, this is this is it's 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 interesting to see if they, they become the platform they'd like to become because it is a new way of like tokenizing objects. It's basically securities, tokenizing securities, and then you allow this massive influx of money that we talk about from traditional finance to have a playground in which to do things. Oh, and he yeah. will be at the Super Conference, speaking alongside Corey. Yeah, buddy. So see yeah. you there if you're coming. So, for all you guys out there that think that tokenizing things is just making up value out of thin air, no necessary, no need, who cares? This week, I learned when the Dow Jones dropped 1,600 points in a day, what the volatility index is. And that means you can buy shares of the volatility of the Dow Jones leveraged. So we actually talked about this on buy or sell. What the hell? People think Bitcoin losing $60 billion is, is oh my God, I'm gonna, I lost everything. $5 trillion in global value disappeared in the span of like 20 minutes yesterday because of how leveraged Wall Street was on this volatility, volatility index. It went from 15 points to 99 points in 20 minutes, and a bunch of people lost their shirt. So that's just understand that have an open mind when we're talking about crypto securities in this interview. Okay, here it is. Interested in cryptocurrency or blockchain technology? Or maybe you want to know the hype surrounding Bitcoin. Tune in to the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Since 2015, it's a daily collection of long-form conversations in the form of podcasts where the world's leading thinkers and doers give us a slice of their perspective. With over nine shows on the network, look for talks on crypto, tech, 
security, global issues, and more. Visit the BitcoinPodcast.net or find us on Spotify. All right, we are we're here with the CEO of the Big Blue Bull Polymath, the first ever securities token launchpad. Uh, they're a decentralized platform where businesses launch compliant security tokens and global investors can access them instantly and add them to their portfolio. Uh, Trevor, this is, you know, I, I like to begin these interviews by welcoming you on the show and then kind of telling people a little bit about yourself. But we were just talking, uh, you know, kind of with this digital marketing background. And, and I have to ask, like, everywhere I am, there's that bull, like platinum sponsor. If you go to CoinMarketCap, there's that bull. Like it's everywhere. Christmas sweaters. There's that bull again. And I got to ask, like, like you guys have the most aggressive marketing campaign of any other crypto company. I know you guys' advisor list is insane. How are you guys doing this? Like, what is the strategy and, and, and what are the benefits that you guys are receiving from the amount of exposure you guys are, are getting? Well, yeah. And first of all, uh, apologies in advance to you guys and the whole world for the spamage, you will be seeing a lot more of us, uh, even more so. So, you know, that, that's really been my thesis here is that there's a land grab right now, crypto, and whoever is the most aggressive, whoever has the best distribution is going to win. And um, you, you got to stand out. You know, you guys know there's a lot of inventory out there. There's a lot of competition. So we just don't want to take any chances and we're swinging for the fences. And I, I want to say, by the way, I'm really honored to be here. You guys kind of have been around, and I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, things have been so crazy, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to keep track of everything. But um, really, really appreciate kind of you guys and your audience for building this community in the right way. As, as you guys know, there's some unscrupulous activity uh, these days. That's you know, that it is what it is. But um, thank, thanks for doing what you guys do. No, th- thank you very much. Uh, so would you be able to tell us a little bit about – kind of how you position yourself at the throne of, of, of polymath and kind of your crypto journey, if you will. Yeah. You know, I, um, I guess it all started in 2012. It's when I bought my first Bitcoin on eBay in November. It was $21.65. Mm-hmm. And I, I highly recommend everybody buy their Bitcoin on eBay. It's very secure. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, you took a risk there. I don't, don't even don't ask me. I don't even know how that transaction happened. I just remember uh, I have a in my little presentation. I have a, a screenshot of my eBay.ca account, and uh, you know I was I was doing some stuff with with Bitcoin before, and like 2011 was kind of the very beginning, and then I finally took the plunge and and uh, bought one, not two, not twenty, just just one, and uh, that was kind of the rabbit hole for me. That's that's my gateway drug was, you know, just getting my hands on the coin. I forget what, what client or wallet I use, but um, it kind of clicked with me right away. And uh, right after that, there was some other kind of talk of new uh, tokens emerging. Do you guys remember what the very first ICO was? Ooh, I'm going to say... Namecoin? Ethereum? Get it right. If you get this right, you're getting a 3D printed polymath bull. So you can spam all your guests when they come over. I was under the assumption it was Namecoin. It was, it was Omni, wasn't it? Mastercoin. Yes. yes, yes. Boom! Nailed it. That was that's a good one. Not a lot of people get it. I always ask it when I'm doing a presentation. Well, we had that 3D bull. 
had uh, J.R. Willett on the show. So that's the only reason why I know. So he was on the show who created the first ICO. JR, yes, it was Mastercoin became Omni, and JR, we we all owe a moment of gratitude because he said, wait a minute, the blockchain is different than the token on top of it. Maybe we could uh, decouple them. And that's, you know, back in those days, in the, in the pre-Ethereum days, it was harder to do that. Bitcoin was not designed for other ICOs. It was designed for Bitcoin. And, and it took a lot of really smart kind of PhD level uh, guys like JR to, to figure out how to untangle the two. And then um, a few uh, years later, a little project called Ethereum comes along and they really lowered the barriers for uh, altcoins. But yeah, it was, it was JR Willett and Mastercoin and David Johnston and all those guys that, that we all know that really we owe a lot of uh, uh, gratitude to. So how did Jello, you how did you then lunch. move into yeah, for real Jello, How did you then move into this this like the securities industry? Because we there, there's a big separation right now. You have plenty of ICOs going on, and they make a concerted effort to say they are not a security; they are a utility token. And this is yep. more than likely just to avoid the SEC coming down on their throats and taking their money down the line. You are you seem to be taking the opposite approach and saying we are a security; we are the security token. Come to us if you would like to join our platform and be a security. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah, no, totally. And and, and I think kind of my my quick history will dovetail into the the genesis of Polymath. But uh, but yeah, it was kind of like the, the early ICOs, uh, like Mastercoin, and then I don't know if you guys remember projects like MadeSafeCoin and Factum, and and these were all kind of Bitcoin blockchain ICOs. Mm-hmm. And Ethereum comes along, and I was really lucky because I was uh, in Toronto, and that's where Ethereum was founded. That's where Vitalik is from. And I got to know those guys really well, Vitalik a little bit, and uh, Anthony Diorio and Steven Narioff and all those guys, Joe Lubin. And they were all hanging out in Toronto. And I, I don't know if you guys remember those T-shirts back in the day, but their marketing was the Ethereum logo on the front of the T-shirt, and then they had one line of code on the back of the T-shirt, and that represented how easy it was to, to deploy a DAP. And back then it didn't really click uh, what, what they were trying to convey, but now it's in retrospect, it's, it's pretty powerful. But, um, but anyways, I kind of took the, the Ethereum uh, project and I, I got in at the uh, seed, I guess, pre-ICO or ICO price. Do you guys remember what the Bitcoin to Ether conversion was? Trivia question number two. Hmm. No, but I think it started out at what thirteen cents. No, that doesn't no. seem right. How Didn't many? You get like, wasn't it like thousands of ether for one bitcoin? It was stupid, or hundreds. Two thousand per bitcoin. That was the first. Uh, yeah. The first ratio, which is wild, because bitcoin was like a couple hundred bucks back then, and we all know what two thousand ether is worth now. But um. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, so I think it was 30 cents it, it kicked off at, but uh, being very fortunate to be around there, I, was, I participated and I kind of used my windfall to um, seed other projects in the community. And it was kind of cool being from Toronto because it, it's kind of turned into a, a crypto Silicon Valley in a way, because just like in Silicon Valley, you have all these exits and then the founders become angel investors and then recycle it back into the community. The same thing happened in Toronto, and we have like a lot of really great projects like Aon and AdBank and Polymath coming out of 
out of Toronto. And I think a lot of that is because of the, the capital. If you look at Ethereum, um, 10,000 millionaires were created. 10,000. Ethereum than- was the largest millionaire creator in like all time, wasn't it? And any other company, I think Oracle uh, uh, or Cisco did did a lot too. But uh, and a lot of them are in Toronto, so so I, I represent Toronto pretty pretty good there. But uh, um, but moving on from that, uh, so so I was doing a lot of uh, angel deals and companies like Shapeshift and EOS and um, and all kinds of other tokens and, and uh, ICOs and whatnot. But at the time, you know, this was during the, the nuclear winter of crypto and it was i think it was a period like 2014 and bitcoin it wasn't just like a little dump it was like a long-term kind of plateau and um at the time i was actually running a private equity fund and we but we acquired cash flowing web businesses and it was kind of my idea i had an epiphany and it was my idea to say you know what if we took this uh fund and tokenized it and we become the world's first dividend paying proxy voting, uh, corporate governed enabled token. And I got really excited about it. I told all the Ethereum guys and, um, got some, some good interest and traction for it. ICOs hadn't really gone viral like, like they are now. Um, but it wasn't long after that until reality kind of hit and the SEC, um, you know, emerged as, 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 as a, um, institution that would be interested in this type of project. And what I was doing was actually a security. And that kind of led me on this, this whole journey, um, to really understand what a security token is. And then over time realizing why I think it's the the next mega trend in crypto. I certainly can see the vision that you see in terms of, um, security tokens being a massive trend within this space because what you see, what, what, what I feel like and what I've kind of gathered from various talks and interviews and, and reading about things is that there's this giant wall of money of traditional finance that's trying to find a way to dip its toe in or become a part of this space that's comfortable to them based on traditional finance. And yep. utility tokens and the wild, wild west that is ICOs right now isn't necessarily it for those that aren't like the least conservative of all of them. And and there's a lot of ways in which traditional finance, uh, that the way it works is lends itself to being tokenized really, 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 really well. So like the, these two things combined means that eventually you're going to replace all traditional finance, maybe eventually, with something that is tokenized and it needs to follow regulations. So starting off with a platform that enables people to start doing these things seems like a really good idea. Is that kind of where you kind of, Fell in line with that? Yeah, no, you, you nailed it. And it reminds me, I, I was uh, in New York at a Credit Suisse event. They invited me down and I was moderating a panel. And guys like Mike Novogratz were in the room. Guys like uh, Joey Krug was on the panel. He's from uh, Augur and now Pantera. And I kind of hijacked the, the topic because I was the moderator. And as soon as it ended, I said, I have one more question. And then I went down the panel and I said, everyone, today securities make up about 1% of the total pie. So out of all the tokens that exist in the token universe, about 1% are securities and 99% are utilities. 
So it's actually less than that. It's a fraction of 1%. And I said, in a few years from today, what is that number going to be? Now it's 1%. What's that number going to be? And these are like the top of the food chain guys and thought leaders in the space. And what do you think they said? What number? I'd say a complete like reversal games. of it. I'd say a complete reversal I'd of say, it. I'm not going to say complete reversal. I'm going to say complete reversal minus $1. <laughs> I'm going to take the prices right route. Trivia is over. I'm getting carried away here. But um, it was like 90%, 95%. And uh, yeah, I was going for the always take the dollar off. <laughs> it was like, uh, what's, what's that called? Show called Price is Right. Price is Right, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, the, the, the point is that you know, these guys are like 95%. And this is this Joey Krug said that, and he's uh, he's like a big time protocol, you know, deep, deeply technical guy. And I called him out on it. I'm like, man, that's that's crazy. That means like literally trillions of dollars tens of trillions of dollars are going to have to migrate to uh, the blockchain. How, you know, how's this going to happen? And he said, well, listen, it's just math. If you look at, you know, some of the big hedge funds uh, in New York, for example, if just one of them tokenized, it would double the, the entire market overnight. And if you go up a level and you talk about like bigger funds, like sovereign wealth funds, it, it could double or triple or quadruple overnight. And, that's crazy. That's just one fund. I don't think people understand. Like we like to think we're we're important and crypto is taking over the world, but it's still literally it's a really small baby. <laughs> yes, it's so small, but that is a strong point. And so, what I would like to do here is not to stonewall things, but kind of just pause and let's take a take a break over here on on, on the rest stop if we're on a highway here. I want to know like. Because I spend a lot of time on my announcement show giving people the opportunity to define why their token is a utility and how badly people are going to utilize it. I put that in air quotes. So can you define for our audience now, like, since you work so strongly on the security side, what is the bold line, the, the strong difference between a security token, utility token? A security token is regulated and at its core it, it represents ownership of an asset so one token that's a security or a security token represents one share in an asset whether that asset is real estate commodities gold um, derivatives bonds doesn't matter and and it could it could be a share it could be a unit it could be like a, a limited partner share in a fund and that's what a security token represents it represents something tangible and people who invest in securities tokens are literally investors, and these investors are expecting a profit. And finally, security tokens are, as I said, they're, they're regulated. You have to do uh, a prospectus or an exemption. Uh, you have to do KYC. It's a little more cumbersome to do them. And if you compare that to utility coins, which are literally just access to a network or a protocol, uh, they're not invested in, they're purchased uh, that's a, a, a legal nuance, but it's very important. And finally, uh, utility coins are unregulated. They're, they're crowd sales. They're not uh, offerings. So those, those are kind of the main differences. If, and to give you an example of some uh, uh, existing securities coins, there's something called Blockchain Capital. That was one of the first uh, security tokens ever, and it was founded by a really good team. And then there's another one called Science and uh, Spice VC. Those are kind of the main... Securities tokens, 
other than those guys, there's not a whole lot. So every other coin that's not those three, Braid is actually another one from uh, Joe Lubin's studio um, that was a movie fundraise. Uh, but all the other coins, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, uh, they're all utilities. I would like to put in on this one. It's, I would like your opinion on I've, I've, I have an issue with this, this dichotomy that we've created versus utility and, and security tokens. And I don't feel like inherently they're two opposite things and that they're kind of the same thing when you take it into the context of blockchain. It's that when you look at it from a financial perspective, of course it looks like a security because people are buying these things expecting investments. And you say invest, we see ICOs, very similar to the idea of an IPO, which is kind of why we use that term. They don't, you don't have to separate them completely. Eventually, like it's, it's going to be, it has security like aspects, but it can also be used as a utility. And I think once we have more regulation, you can start to like bleed that line. But since we don't have that, people are just vying to say they're not security so that they don't get screwed by the SEC later on down the line. And it also, when you abide by the rules that currently exist within the current financial situation, you allow people to have a lot more easy feeling when they end up getting these tokens that they're not going to get them taken away or have a problem when they file their taxes. Is that, does that make sense? Does that jive with you? Yeah, you, listen, I think um, <clears throat> what you're going to see, whether we like it or not, there's securities laws. And I'm not going to comment on what I think about them, but they exist and we have to comply with them. And there's very serious um, implications if we don't. So what, what that means is that there is a unambiguous um, ruling that a lot of these so-called utility tokens are actually securities that are masquerading as utilities. Whether we like it or not, whether we think the line is going to get blurred in the future, that's the reality today. If you go out and you start promoting this thing, um, another nuance is if you don't have your protocol ready, so if you're your own blockchain but you launch as an ERC-20 token just to fundraise, that's potentially an issue because how can you be a utility coin if no one can use it to access your network? So I, I won't go any deeper than that into the legal uh, nuances mm-hmm. of utility versus securities. But the main thing is, um, I think a lot of utilities are actually securities. And beyond that, um, moving forward, it's going to get even worse. There's going to be very clear lines drawn. And the majority of token sales will either retroactively be deemed securities or every new one from that point on will have to go through a platform like Polymath to um, comply with the law. And I, I guess one of the reasons why you really don't have to kind of drill down, and it's one of the best things I, I think about Polymath, is the whole delegate system that you have for legal professionals to kind of participate in. Because like we touched on earlier in this interview, technology is in its infancy. It's it's so novel. What, what blockers do you see happening in 2008? Because it's a good thing and a bad thing as you build out either the GitHub for lawyers or what problems you're going to face having this open discourse with the policymakers. Yeah. The way I explain it for people who haven't heard of Polymath before is if you if you take Bitcoin, Bitcoin, um, in my opinion, what it did is it got rid of a lot of middlemen. <laughs> That's how I explain it to new people. I'm like, when I when I buy something off you, it's not just one one dollar going from my wallet to your wallet. There's a whole network of middlemen like uh, banks, credit card companies, foreign exchange, 
settlement banks, clearing houses, all these these middlemen taking uh, rent. They're rent seekers in the middle, and and then Bitcoin came along and just completely flattened that whole uh, network to just peer to peer. You don't need financial infrastructure to make a payment. So that's what Bitcoin did, and a lot of the diehard Bitcoin people say that's kind of what blockchain should should be. It's just the, the payment network. Um, but we think that the blockchain can be applied a lot more broadly to society, namely capital markets. We think you know payments is a component of capital markets, but if you look at other institutions like broker dealers, investment banks, exchanges, we think a lot of these uh, institutions are also kind of similarly middlemen that the blockchain is going to disintermediate. Are we? Uh, sometimes I fear that like. Instead of eliminating middlemen, we just gave them level 50 armor. <laughs> Is that what's happening? Like, just help me sleep at night. Like, give, give us a rundown on your opinions on that. Like, did we eliminate the middlemen or did we just, like, are we in the, did we, did we just, are we playing the game on legendary now? Because we've given them a blockchain, which is. Here's, here's my answer to that. If we, if we get, if we lose. And if uh, if someone beats us, at least do it with new technology. You know what I mean? Like, don't beat us with 1980s um, settlement technology from 1984 <laughs> that's built on, like, floppy disks and mainframes. Like, that's what the financial system is built on today. <laughs> and I'd rather these guys at least upgrade their armor a little bit if they're going to take us down rather than do it in such a ridiculously outdated paradigm. I like that. I can I can get behind that. <laughs> if I'm gonna get taken over, I would rather be for my robotic overlords than the guy swinging yeah. a bow and arrow at me. Yeah, that's embarrassing. <laughs> that's so okay, I guess I don't have that. That's really all there is to it. I mean, if the robot overlords take over, then it is what it is. So, can you like walk us through uh -huh. what? your vision of polymath is over the next year and like kind of how, how things are going to go and what you see, like the, the, the role that you play with, with the kind of bringing in the idea of a security token. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll try to answer really directly as much as I can. I think just one other quick point is, is why, you know, why should securities be tokenized? So I'll, I'll ask you guys, why do you think we should even bother? Like we have securities exist today, financial products, stocks, real estate. Like, what's the point? Why, why should we even get out of bed to try to improve on this? Trust. <laughs> that's that's uh, another, another 3D printed bull right there. Automation. <laughs> oh, we're up to two. I like it. Trust. I say automation. No, automation is a horrible answer. Really? Yes, I love the directness. I love the directness. That was stupid. So Stop. Terrible. You should no, feel bad. <laughs> I want robots to trade securities automatically. No, it's fraudulent, man. What? No bull How? How's this a bad answer? I want to know. Like, just stop, stop yarping at me. And let me know why it's bad. No, is that, is that that is the actual correct answer? It's. I think for me, it's two main reasons. There's there's many more reasons like secure like. The blockchains don't close. They're more accessible. So you don't need to be uh, a Westerner with uh, financial infrastructure at your fingertips. Anyone can buy your security. 
Um, there's lots of lots of those reasons, but I think the main reason is actually code. Smart contracts are programmable, and if you have a security living on top of this smart contract, you can do a lot of interesting things. Um, for example, you can automate dividends. You can automate proxy voting schedules. You can do KYC directly inside the token programmatically. You can do all these things inside of a smart contract that you can't do inside of a filing cabinet. And that's currently how traditional assets are owned. They're owned literally on pieces of paper. I bought a stock the other day. It's such a joke. They send you a share certificate. Yes. It's 2018. And I, if you lose it, you lose your, your stock, <laughs> apparently. And you, and you had to like, you have to like mail it and go and go in your horse and buggy to the, it's, it's just such a, a and you got to shoot, uh, shoot goblins on the way over. It's just, uh, it's, it's do you but, have um, to say, I reckon at the meetings, I reckon I'm here to vote. Wait, so automation was a good answer then? Oh yeah, that was Totally just, just uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. One of the most excuse elegant. Me, excuse me one second, Trevor. In your face, Corey, and in your face, Cello. In yeah, your whatever. Faces. Hey, we all have bulls now. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> Everyone gets a 3D bull. Okay, sorry. Go on, go on, Trevor. Go on. But yeah, no, just to, to finish that thought, I think, um, so, so with tokens, it's just a superior way to own an asset. And the other reason you might want to tokenize is because money. There's a lot of capital that has been created, a lot of wealth in crypto. And if you want to raise money to go on a shopping spree or buy real estate, invest in startups, whatever your, your MO is, why not tap into this new growing pool of, of crypto capital with all these kids who are driving Lambos now that used to be living in their parents' basement 18 months ago. So, you know, why not, why not do that? So I think those are the two main reasons why we're going to see and, and secure. I don't like the word securities because uh, it's confusing. A lot of people think that's like, Oh, so you secure the blockchain. It's like, no, it's, it just means like a stock or a, a financial product. And, and yeah, like I said, wall street is built on this outdated, infrastructure built in 1980 of settlements and clearing houses and all these kind of institutions that take fees along the way. And we're just trying to streamline that process. What do you think it's going to take? I, I was reading an article uh, two days ago that said at the, at the end of this Davos meeting, I guess the world economic forum said like, Hey, there's going to be regulation in place by the year 2023. And I'm like, geez, man, does that mean five years of, goonery and wild wild west behavior like what what do you think or better question is do you know of any active participants in the space that are trying to build that bridge so that you know maybe the bridge between traditional finance and tokenization besides you guys obviously yeah no look this is we're, we're actually very pleased with the activity in the space and other projects emerging i was a little worried because when we started talking about this stuff like nobody cared um you know we were at the bitcoin miami conference and securities tokens were like everywhere that's all anybody ever talked about and even the year before that it was just like crickets no one 
why would anyone care? Everyone was getting rich off utility coins. They're unregulated. You know, life is good. But um, but times are changing. And now, you know, the regulators are waking up. And I, I know for certain that they're working on, you know, coming to some conclusions. And, um, and yeah, but to answer your question about competition, yeah, there's lots of, of uh, exchanges. We're seeing like T-Zero is a fantastic project emerging out of, out of the Overstock um, parent company. And it's great. It's like a, a security token exchange. And that's, that's why we're so excited to see these, these projects emerge because now they can hook into what we have and vice versa. And we can say, okay, here's all these securities tokens projects that Polymath helps launch. And now it's time to hand them off to T0 because they have um, a liquidity engine that, mm -hmm. by the way, is the number one problem in security tokens today is liquidity or lack yeah. of liquidity. Um, no matter how good your security token is, and I'm talking like today, not like last year, today there are exactly zero exchanges that will list a security token on planet Earth. So you're a zombie coin. You know, no one will list you. And that's finally starting to change. And I think that's really going to be the fuel behind the security token revolution. And what I said earlier about trillions of dollars and all these bold predictions. Well, I think now it's just blue ocean. We've got all the ingredients for 2018 to be the year of the security token. Mm. So we're not going to get Lambos in the next 18 months anymore? All the Lambos are getting returned. All the 3D printed bulls will be sent home. <laughs> Damn it. I had a Lambo on pre-order. I was just going to hope the money was there by the time that it got to the store. So. <laughs> I know guys who's buying uh, cars and every car he's made X amount of, of money on, he's naming the license plate after the project that that got him there wow wow that is uh that guy's a that's legend. a different kind of collecting <laughs> so and limited edition arrows as well want to hit him with so, the uh the 10 words well i before i do that have you seen that that uh, infographic that exists that shows like the size of different markets on the on the world, and like uh, it starts with, of course, yeah, right. Though it starts with like Bitcoin, and then it grows all the way to like derivatives, and just like like one pixel on the screen. Yeah, Bitcoin is like one pixel compared to everything else. Oh man! So I, I believe if you've been listening to this to this interview, Polymath is trying to maybe expand on that one pixel when it comes to cryptocurrency in general and, and crypto commodities. I'll also add to that just to, you know, be super clear. We're not ourselves a security and we're not saying that we're launching this, this financial product that's going to rule them all. We're more like Ethereum. We're just the technology layer underneath it. And we just power um, projects that want to build on top of a protocol that streamlines the security token launching process. So that's just a little nuance that I like to remind people that, you know, we're not out there, you know, trying to promise people there's going to be a profit or if you invest in our coin, it's going to go up. We're just saying our, our coin is for use. It's actually access the network. And, and that's kind of the number one thing I like people to remember um, when, I, when I speak to them. Okay. Well, 
Uh, we got one question left. This is going to be the toughest question we've asked you yet. So, hope you're ready. It is in 10 words or less, can you describe blockchain? I think I can do a lot less than 10. Blockchain is the biggest middle dash man eliminator on planet earth one one word how to do middle dash man is one word you're good to go yep <laughs> yeah. yep judges man is one word i, I give it a pass middleman's one word that is you can do that you can do that Usually when they're like, I got this, they usually fail when I was waiting for it. (laughs) (laughs) I think I get one bonus word. uh, It's a new feature. Yeah, I thought you were going to say blockchain is the future and drop the mic. And I was like, is hashtag mic drop one word? Uh, It's 2018. (laughs) We'll allow that. We'll allow it. There you go. Bonus word. Hashtag mic drop. As long oh. as you don't capitalize the D. If you make it capital M, I, C, capital D. Mm. It's all about no. the D. That's, you know, it's all about the old. That's right. All right, before okay. we get out of here, I, I want to hit you to give you a chance to talk about Polycon because it is my life goal to go to the Bahamas for a crypto meetup. So maybe Polycon 2019, I'll be there. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be some prominent figures there uh, and tickets are on sale now. Uh, and that's at the end of next month through the beginning of March. Are you guys coming? I'd are love we? to come. I don't know. Are we? <laughs> no, I don't think we have it in the cards, but we can't. When is it? February 28th. Oh, you- I'm going to be in Canada. I'm closing a house. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm free. So, Well, listen. So is- <laughs> <laughs> we were at um, – this is the unofficial backstory to Polycon. And do, but what do you guys think of the name? I, I got some pushback on my team. Um, they're like, people are going to think this is a con. And I'm like, no, like DevCon. No, it's like the name of all conferences. I feel like yeah. that's fine. What's that other, the big one? Uh, Comic-Con? Comic-Con Def, or whatever. DefCon, like the largest <laughs> hacking conference. Like, yeah, they're really wrong on that. Comic-Con. Anything is pretty. <laughs> like, yeah, I, did, I made my executive decision. But the, the backstory. I thought it was like a a conference where people who want polyamorous relationships can kind of come. <laughs> That's the following week, actually. And the yeah, yeah, the following week. Tickets are sold out. I apologize. You're but, thinking um, of Polyamicon. Yeah. We're, 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 we're very inclusive here at, at Polycon. Um, <laughs> I actually have a funny, another poly story. You want to hear it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had a, comp- a company called the, uh, uh, polymath labs so that's actually where this name came from because i still had some some assets left over from uh from that and uh sold the company and i was in the boardroom to do the final uh, uh closing documents with my lawyers and the big guy at the end of the table he's like this big kind of legendary private equity guy stands up and he's like son deals off like what do you mean deals off it's not off we have this LOI here signed and it's going through he said you know 
in the 300 years that this business has been around, we would never do a deal with a company named Polymeth Labs. Uh-huh. Turns out my buddy <laughs> played hockey with as a kid and became a lawyer, made a mistake on drafting the articles of incorporation, and he made a typo and said Polymeth Labs instead of Polymath Labs. <laughs> that's not a good look I think I he owes been, you a dinner or two it's still, deal's still went through but it went uh, I have it framed in my office the Canadian articles of incorporation for polymeth lab but, uh, but anyway the real story, the real story is uh, with, with uh, uh, Polycon started because uh, I was at the Necker, there was a Necker Island event that I, I basically snuck into and uh, met, met a lot of guys there and there was a, a live auction at the end and uh, I bid on – everyone was, like, bidding everything up like crazy. And then I I felt kind of emasculated a bit because I was the only person that didn't bid on anything. So the last the last thing comes up, and it's it's this package at Bahamar Resort. And uh, I make, like, a kind of a limp opening bid, and everyone just disappeared. No one no one bid up, bid up on it. So I won this package for uh, – for a bunch of suites and services for, uh, for Bahamar. And then I decided, Hey, instead of just like bringing my friends down, why don't we kind of turn it into a conference? And it's really transformed into a really, uh, like you should see the speaker list. We got Brock Pierce, Roger Ver, Patrick Byrne, Anthony DiOrio, all these, the list goes on and on. we got celebrities, we got NFL players coming. Um, and it's kind of going to be cool because it's, 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 predicated on uh businesses and securities and securities tokens and we're bringing in all the biggest public blockchain companies like billion dollar companies are coming in and sponsoring the event and it's going to be it's, it's going to be kind of two worlds colliding the crypto world with all the old school guys like roger and me and, and brock and the new age the new kind of finance financing people uh, on Wall Street and Bay Street kind of coming together. So so we're really excited about it. It's, it's kind of more of an exclusive event. It's not going to be one of those big, uh, you know, massive 5,000 people. It's, it's a little more intimate, a little more kind of informal. It's not going to be quite a structure. We want people to kind of get to know each other. But, um, but yeah, check it out. It's poly, polycon18.com, polycon18.com. I don't – the tickets, it's just crazy. We, we – uh, you know, the, the, it's a very, very high quality event. The tickets are expensive. I'm not sure if there's any left, but um, uh, you guys should definitely come and and uh, we'd love to to host you guys. Yeah, Sounds I would good, love to cover man. the event. Oh, let's do it. We'll we'll hook you guys up. It's going to be great. We're going to have uh, some some special guests. We're doing a, a crypto poker tournament, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. We're doing there's going to be like a little yacht party. One of the guys just lent us his yacht for for the night. Oh, uh, how nice out. of him! Yeah, you know, very just nice trying, of him. Just trying to give back to society, I guess. Uh, <laughs> and, and most importantly, we got some big announcements at. Um, we did some big announcements at the Miami conference uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, we got some even bigger ones planned for um, for Polycon. And I know I like to joke around a little bit, and that's the only way to stay sane. But uh, I really, you know, we've been working really hard and we've been making a lot of really good progress um, here at head office. We have almost 40 people now full time and it's been uh, just 
amazing the growth of the project and the team and and uh, we're excited to kind of tell the world what what we've been working on uh, in a couple of weeks. Cool. You're always welcome back on the show. Uh, I know you guys got stuff with uh, self key and there's many moving parts that we haven't even began to scratch the surface with. So please come back anytime. I'd love to guys. Thanks again. Very honored and um, appreciate all the great work you guys do. would love to connect in person. See you soon. See you soon. Thanks fellas. And that was the interview with Trevor Coverco, the CEO of Polymath, the big blue bull. If you listen to that interview, then I won a 3D printed blue bull. And uh, I can't wait to claim that or never get that. Pretty sure we all did. I don't think we're going to get them. If we get them, I will be impressed. I will support that project with my voice only. Uh, So... (laughs) It's like we got we uh we wanted to talk about something right because there's a lot of you know when you branded yourself personally and professionally as the bitcoin guy the crypto guy i get a lot of like hey are we going to hell is that what these price drops mean we're entering the seventh layer of hell and we're on our way down or the first layer and i'm like whoa calm down guy We're not going to hell. And neither is the crypto market. So I don't know if you listen to the show or not, but you probably do if you listen to the show. But Corey, myself, Cello, um, we've all been saying for for a while, like there's a correction due when a market goes straight vertical. And this is the correction. And so what we want to talk about is like, you know, if you understand why crypto is so volatile, like you you understand why these dips aren't so scary. You know? But I would like to propose to you, Corey and Cello, a new culture building opportunity. So PKO in our Slack, me and him went back and forth earlier this week or a couple of days ago, and he had a strong point. He said that holding is stupid and it shouldn't be put on a pedestal like it is in this community. And I think he's right. Not the pedestal think, it's on. It's 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 a little overdone in terms of like the response to all things that are logical. Especially if you we've talked about this before. Like if, if some of the money that you've made is is drastic or makes makes palatable changes in your life that, that make you know, s- you know immediate con- have immediate consequences, pull it out. It's clear none of it's promised, and because it's so volatile, like you should, you should. It, I don't now at this point. I don't. I what I have in crypto is for the long haul. I don't need it. But when it got to a certain price, it was. They started becoming to the point. It was on par with things that made real, real change in my life, while still having quite a bit of crypto left. So I was like, I should probably just go do that because it's getting really imbalanced. I have the I have the, like student loans. I should probably pay those off. Things like you know shit like that. And so, if if that's the case, you should reevaluate what you're doing. And just holding through all things is stupid because what are you holding for? Like, what's the end game? The the uh, I want to speak to that because I am in the mindset of holding, and the reason why I hold is because 
we are in the infancy of this thing. So holding is smart because if you're holding as an early adopter and you cross the chasm to mainstream, it, you're gonna make you're gonna make profit on everything that you hold. I agree with that. Yeah, but PK. That's why I hold. Was we stress mass adoption? We literally say it every show. Mass adoption is the only thing that matters. Well, that means that somebody right now today adopted Bitcoin or crypto. Can they Not, afford to hold? Like, is if if we're talking about mass adoption, we're, we are talking about the people that live paycheck to paycheck. We're talking about people that don't necessarily have sound saving practices and principles. We're talking about everyone under the umbrella, right? So like maybe there has to be a healthy balance between hold, know when to hold it, know when to hodl, know when to bottle. <laughs> I think the mass adoption thing goes towards the fundamentals of what this technology can do for the world, not mass adoption. Everyone needs one Bitcoin in their block folio. I don't think that's what we meant when we said that. That's not what I say when I say mass adoption. When I say right. mass adoption, I, I say this impacts people's lives in a way that they don't quite understand. Yeah, and not how many people can own it. Not not how many people have Coinbase accounts and just sit on Bitcoin and hold it. That's right. stupid. Okay. Now so we're in a we're in a you. we're in a massive increase of people who are interested in investing in this. So there's adoption in terms of people who'd like to invest in things who don't understand it. There's certainly not a massive adoption of people who get it, use it, and it changes their life. Which is what real mass adoption is. It's when it, when it, it, it becomes the infrastructure of how people communicate with each other. And they use it on a day-to-day basis, and it's just part of life. Like cell phones and smartphones are a part of life that you cannot get away from. That's mass adoption. So okay. that's going to be a, quite a grip in terms of time. Be a grip of time. Nice but, late 90s slang. I like it. <laughs> and so that's like, it, it's, an, it's an important distinction. And so what we're seeing is a massive influx of people who are just purely speculating, which is why the prices are volatile, because those people can be manipulated by sentiment because they don't understand things and they're not using it. So when we like now holding, if you only put the amount of money that you can afford to completely lose and you don't care about it and you understand that this technology will be ridiculously pervasive in the far future, then holding is the right opportunity, is the right thing to do. But if it gets to a point where a percentage of what you've been holding makes ridiculously actionable changes on your life right now, you should do it. Now, now that we're like the market's like 50% down after a month from ago, maybe that's not, maybe that's not the case. You should probably hold through this correction. But like when prices were high, mm-hmm. when I was screaming about how uncomfortable this is and what I'm doing to try and better my life, that's not holding. That's, Acting appropriately because Hashtag I'm probably going to start probably going to start buying back in soon. Yeah, yeah. I held when when you sold, and I'm I lost probably more money than you took out. <laughs> but it's all right because uh, I can afford to lose everything because I'm I managed a my smart risk. guy investor. Yeah, I managed my risk 
appropriately. I'm in the, the school of JJ now. I managed my risk appropriately and made some changes. Well, I hope that I think that's going to be interesting now that you're kind of getting more and more into that part of the world because JJ and them are, are smart investors. They have they have plans, they have exit strategies, they have they've managed their portfolio appropriately in terms of the risk that they have. And as you learn that stuff, you can help our listeners learn that stuff. And we can put out a better message of like how you should be evaluating what type of money you put into this space and not just like put it all in there and hold it regardless of what happens because that's stupid. It, uh, it's stupid. If you, especially if you're just now getting in this space, no, uh, there's a lot of butter people. Yeah. Yeah. Think, think about, think about like all. So recent, one of some of the recent news that happened was that, um, a large, a lot of the big banks have now refused the ability for people who have credit cards of those banks to buy crypto with it. So you can no longer bullshit. buy crypto with their credit cards. Straight in my opinion, bullshit. well, in my opinion, you shouldn't be buying crypto with credit cards in the first place. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I think that's a bad decision. And people are like, well, you can actually get around it. If you just like maybe put all your, your bank account in there and use and then use your credit card on a month to month basis. It's like, that's also really stupid. No, there's a little trick people were playing in the credit card companies sure. got, got you hit can, You can game the credit card in order to, to increase your credit. That's, no, that's no, a no, strategy, like the but... cashback. Oh, you okay. Get, okay. You know, you get a 3% fee for, for buying crypto on well, they, credit they, card. They, they didn't ban it. I back. Back. They don't think they banned it. They made it a cash advance. So let me, let me yeah. re- rephrase what I said. It's no longer using your credit card. It's a cash advance on a credit card, which is has a massively mm-hmm. different interest rate. That's what it was. They straight up banned it. Oh, really? Yeah. It was a cash advance. It went from a regular purchase to a cash advance, and people were still like, well, hell, I get 5 to 6% back cash back. Still a win for me. And then they, uh, then they straight up banned it. But that's not the point. The point is, how can you fucking tell? You extend someone a line of credit, can't just tell them what they can and can't buy shit with unless think, it's like straight up bad stuff. I think we've come full circle here. They can do whatever they want. They got the private keys. Yeah. That's, you're trusting them. They they can do whatever they want. That's kind of the beauty of what crypto does is that people can't tell you those things and that's why we like it. Yeah, that's the whole point. When I said you can't, I said that real hippie, like, you can't do that, man. <laughs> but obviously they can because it's a private company. But it's a bullshit. The mass it's adoption is, is going to come sooner than than a 90s internet. You know what I mean? We, we don't have to wait that long. We don't, especially with the things that's going on with the Ethereum network this year. Holy jeez. I just like what just give me one of those projects they would do what you said you're going to do. And you it's just on need the, the Casper and Z Snarks and when not to be hard forked and then we're off to the races. ZK Snarks. You know how to remember that cello? Zero what? knowledge Snarks. ZK Snarks. I don't know what the fuck the, the Snarks part meant. I, don't even, I think non-interacting argument of knowledge. <laughs> okay. That makes perfect sense actually. But the, the whenever I see you asked. whenever I see ZK snarks succinct non non interactive something arguments what? of knowledge arguments of knowledge sequence 
succinct, non-interactive succinct. arguments of knowledge. Oh, the Snark. S is plural. Yes. Acronyms S. with Corey. Acronym. <laughs> that could be an S. Get your acronym with Corey. Yeah. <laughs> is that a new? Is that a new segment of the show? Acronyms yeah, with Corey. That, is. that right. should be a new segment of the show. I'll, I'll, I'll define an acronym and tell you what it is. And you have to, if we ever start recording video after you define an acronym, you gotta look at the camera real weird, like Dora from Dora the Explorer. Succinct. Yeah. Already Say forgot it with it. me. Say it with me. Succinct. Um, non-interactive arguments. Whenever I of hear knowledge. Snarks, I think of the thing from uh, Thundercats, the little buddy that they had that was like their pet, but oh, also snarf. Out and snarf, snarf. snarf, snarf. Yeah, like snarf, snarf. That's why I shouldn't be in charge of serious things. Because somebody's like, "We're gonna, you need to give a presentation on ZK Snarks," and I was like, "That's gonna go south before it goes anywhere near north." <laughs> a, a part of me wanted to submit Corey to the Dallas Super Conference as Terry Michaels. So every time he gives a talk, <laughs> Terry Michaels, I was pretty close to doing that. <laughs> I just I play the character to the Terry Michaels. Yeah. For those who are un- uninitiated to Terry Markle, Terry Terry Michaels. I uh, called into the show. I just joined the show late. They're like, hey, welcome, caller. And I was I pretended to be a guy that I made up on the spot who hated the show <laughs> but listened to it constantly. <laughs> Which we uh, actually have like a real-life guy in our – I'm sure we have a few of them. I always booted that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he just hated hated our show. But you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what he did. He was just a troll. Everything <laughs> he said was annoying. Yeah. You say stuff like, just got through eating uh, lunch with Eric Voorhees avocado toast. We were like, what? <laughs> Anyways, um, I think we should wrap it up. Yep. We kind of got off the rails, and that's spew, usually around the time. Spew what we do so other people can get in on that. Yeah. So, oh, by the way, in the works should be done by Q1. Q2. We're going to have some premium content for you guys. Drunk episodes. Drunk, drunk episodes are coming back. You gotta I want to do them. drunk episodes <laughs> and I want to do banter only episodes. And that's the premium stuff. Well, only, it'll only cost you like a buck or something. We're not going to try to get you out of house and home. Um, you can pay us like you. a buck for the episode or you can pay us in bat. Or I don't know. We'll Is there a way to make out. the Patreon people get premium content? Yeah, but we got to post it through Patreon. Sweet. Right now, our Patreon's not getting any love because um, it's just not. We have like eight. We have four patrons, so, and I know all of them are in the Slack. So, all right. thank you guys for that. Uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, patreon.com slash the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Uh, we have a network called the Bitcoin Podcast Network where you can find shows. Here's my commercial voice. You can find shows like an Ethereum podcast and buy or sell what the hell and crypto till infinity starring DJ ADS and other random music people. And we also have a new show coming at you. Called the Reese Podcast. I don't think it's called that. I don't think it is either. We also have <laughs> On Ramping with D, a show where me, D, talks to people that 
want to learn about crypto. And hopefully I don't confuse the shit out of them. And we have TPP's announcements where I announce projects and you decide if you want to like that project or not. Because we're totally not saying that you should buy anything that they offer. We're just saying that you have an opportunity to look them up on your own because we're announcing them to you. Hashtag not investment advice. Hashtag if you try to sue me, F you. What else do we do? Uh, Reese's podcast is called Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future. Creating a Humanist Blockchain Future, starring Reese. Better humanist blockchain, right? Right. 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 Inject the blockchains into your veins, become a better human. Boom. Slack link is fixed. Join the Slack. I fixed the link and nine people came in. Oh yeah, that was cool. Um, hey, Court. What? Court, you gonna sign off on the like us posting your half thoughts and then letting it being high level uh, choose your own adventure blogs? No. I'm not. I'm not signing off on that yet. Okay, it'd be really easy to finish them. You can Those just put a multiple- half gestated babies. Let me uh, let me figure out what I'm gonna do with them. You could put a multiple choice and then send it to the community, and they could decide where the adventure goes next. All right, maybe we'll do that. That could be a way to do it. I have one that I can start start here, and I'll just say, this is what I can write about after this. You choose. <laughs> can we get like a little cartoon quarry with a shield and a sword? Choose I'll your own. Ask Cello that one. He's, he's the one that does, does graphics. <laughs> okay. That's it, guys. We don't have no, whoa, 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 wait. If you like this episode, join us for our next episode, uh, Taylor. Uh, from what Taylor from the from? Ethereum community. There you That's good. That's a good one. And there's a reason why we're doing that. You will hear so, all about okay. it next week in the weird way we said that and why we said yeah. it that way. All <laughs> will be revealed with our new sponsor. Taylor. Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. Okay. Uh, that's it, guys. Thanks for joining us on this midweek. Um, a buy or sell what the hell should be coming at you shortly or maybe it already came at you there's a lot of stuff that flies at you guys nowadays alright play the outro